Hey, welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is the podcast where we chat a little bit about our soccer human brains, a little about our loony human behavior, and a lot about how it all fits together. It looks like we've made it to episode 20. Uh, I remember last episode, I accidentally said that that was episode 20, so correction. Uh, that was 19, and this is 20. But uh, thank you to everyone who's been out there tagging along. I really appreciate it. Um, appreciate all of you for taking the time to listen, to follow through, and uh, check out the podcast. It really means a lot to me, and I really appreciate it. Um, if you're interested in more of my work, you can head over to cashlman.com. That's C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N.com. That's where I post to my blog, and I have a page there that describes the uh, different editing and tutoring and mentoring services that I offer as well. Um, and then tied with that, I also have a Patreon that gives you access to Bedletter Community Discord server. Um, it's a great place to discuss episodes and things like that, as well as um, the Be- uh, Patreon has access to uh, monthly newsletters um, and a bunch more of bunch more things. So again, you can find all of that stuff on my website. That's again cashleman.com. So, for today's episode, we are going to be talking about an article that I found, um, and it was written by Hera Lab, posted on February 23rd, 2021, so not too long ago. Um, it wasn't posted, uh, or it was posted on the psychological post, Post is what it's called, um, is where I found it. Um, there's usually just a lot of different kinds of articles and different types of psychological news and stuff on there. But um, it was written by and, and published by Hera Lab on February 23rd, 2021. The title of the article is Engaging in Art Shown to Improve Anxiety and Depression. So pretty grabbing. There's a whole lot of new articles that have been posted over the last few days on SciPost and on various other websites as well. And um, this one definitely jumped out at me. I'm not exactly sure why. Um, well, I think it's because the art, the art side of it, it just kind of sounds interesting. And that it, I mean, it kind of seems like something that uh, would be a quick hypothesis to come to. You know, that art could maybe help anxiety, and maybe, or and more importantly, and more surmisably, uh, effect have some effect on depression, right? But um, I don't know. It just seems interesting. And it's, I'm, it, again, it's one of those situations where I'm just glad that there's people out there who are actually doing research on this kind of thing. So let's just jump into the article, right? So, uh, it starts out, it says researchers at the university of Gloucester, Gloucestershire, very, very, what a, what a word, what a name for a university, Gloucestershire, university of Gloucestershire and Cardiff metropolitan university have found that engaging in a concord, in a course of creative art is associated with decreases in anxiety and depression alongside improvements in well-being. The research, due to appear in a forthcoming special issue of Public Health on, on the Arts, Creativity and Health, also examined patterns of change across two cycles of referral for this social prescribing scheme. It then goes on to explain what a uh, what a socially prescribing theme is, right? It says the use of a socially social prescribing 
the use of social prescribing in patient medical care has been increasing in recent years, particularly in the UK. Social prescribing is the practice of referring primary or secondary care patients into non-clinical interventions to support their psychosocial well-being. Activities that patients may be referred into might be things such as physical activity, book clubs, education or prescription, or art courses. Education on prescription or art, or art courses. Okay. The capacity for these art activities to support, to support health and well-being in primary care patients has been the focus of the research group for several years. So, um, I think that's very interesting. And primary care being that they are, I think it's talking about primary care in the sense that they're being someone, someone who is currently seeking or using therapeutic help, right? That's somebody who's a primary care patient in these situations. Um, I wonder what the delineation would be between someone who is a primary care person versus like a regular person who isn't seeking a doctor. Like if I self-prescribe social interventions, does that count? I mean, I'm sure for this research specifically, they didn't do that kind of thing where it's like self-prescribed, but I would think that is would be very fascinating to see. Right. Um, cause people could self, I mean, it might be more difficult and you might need more help if instead of, or be prompted to prescri- be, be prescribed art classes. If you're super depressed, right. It might be more helpful to be prompted to do it instead of having yourself have the gumption to go out and actually do it, like get, do art classes. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. The article goes on to say that art lift is an arts and health uh, is an arts for health provider in the southwest of the UK that's been providing arts courses for primary and laterally secondary care patients over a decade for over a decade. I wonder if secondary care side note. I wonder if a secondary care patients are uh, people who are not seeking care but who are just wanting to self prescribe this type of thing. Anyway, the course the article goes on. The courses of arts are usually up to eight weeks and may be based on visual performing arts in various forms. Primary care patients are referred into this program via their GP, a social prescriber, or other healthcare professional, and may be re-referred should there be a continued need or desire for support. Patients might be referred to the Art Lift program for any or all of the following reasons. Let's see, they've got reduced stress, anxiety, depression, um, to improve self-esteem, confidence, to improve social networks, to help alleviate symptoms of chronic pain or illness, distraction from behavior-related health issues, to improve your overall well-being, or to support following loss uh, or major life change. Support following loss or major life change. Oh, like loss of life, like someone died close to you. Okay, well, this is super cool. Um... And I think it's really cool that there's a specific thing that's designated for the therapeutic side of art or creative therapy, right? Uh, it's not just uh, like it's not just like regular whatever art classes for anybody. It's um, art classes in an environment that is geared towards like being therapeutically helpful in the healing process, which is super cool. 
Um, the article goes on. Uh, previous work from the group using the largest da- uh, data set of arts on prescription in the world has shown that these programs are supportive of well-being even though even in those with complex medical needs. The present study drew data from this longitudinal data set from between 2017 and 2019 using measures of anxiety, depression, and well-being for 245 participants, 110 of whom had identifiable multimorbidities. Of the 245 participants, 99 were subsequently re-referred for another course of arts on prescription. Following, when it says course of arts on prescription, it's it's basically saying a prescribed arts course, right? It just words it funny. Providing an analysis of anxiety and depression across referral cycles for the first time in the field. So also multimorbidity. When I read this the first time, I was like, what in the world? Uh, is multimorbidity. Multimorbidity, I googled it, it's when someone has more than one chronic illness. And the, the example that Wikipedia gave was actually uh, basically um, when someone has, they could have something like diabetes, heart disease, and depression all at the same time, that's having multimorbidities. Or that's multimorbidities. So there you go. Something, learning something new. Um... Anyway, so the article goes on. To assess the outcomes, pre- and post-measures of anxiety, depression, and well-being were used per referral cycle. Participants' demographic and clinical characteristics, sex, age, and socioeconomic status and referral reasons were used to assess whether the intervention outcomes might have varied depending on the type of patient participating. There were no associations of any of the demographic or clinical characteristics of the participants with these outcomes, indicating that all participants appear to have equivocal benefit. Equivocal benefit. All right. So, I had to read that paragraph like three times the first time when I went through it because I was like, what in the world? Uh, basically, what it's saying is that after weighing for things like sex, uh, age, um, how much money you make, uh, all that stuff, they found that those things specifically did not play a big factor into the outcome of how effective the art therapy was, right? So it was just effective across uh, people, whether they were male or female, or whether they were older or younger, or whether they had a lot of money or didn't have a lot of money. The article then goes on. Alongside overall improvements in anxiety, depression, and well-being, the study also found that participants exhibit reductions in anxious and depressive symptomology. These outcomes were also present for those with complex medical needs, providing further support for social prescribing and arts for social prescribing and arts on prescription to improve the mental health and well-being of those that are often difficult to support. The analysis show that Whilst participating in these arts courses is associated with improvements in all the measured outcomes, there does appear to be some level of rebound between referral cycles for many participants. This rebound was not completely back, uh, completely back to pre-intervention levels, but does hint towards a need for additional support for some patients as they engage with social prescribing and indeed strategies for continued support post-intervention. Again, uh, their wording here gets a little confusing. Uh, basically, they're using a lot of words to just say that they found that while the prescription of the uh, art classes was a positive experience overall for everybody, for those involved, there was a pattern where the participants um, 
rebounded or returned to their previous anxiety and depression levels in between the uh, art class intervals, those prescribed art classes in between the intervals of those classes. Not everybody did. Not everybody returned to base levels, <clears throat> but some a percentage of people did, which is also interesting and I suppose makes sense. Um, you know, it's not it's not a it's not a fix all. It's not going to fix the entire problem of depression. It's not going to solve the whole problem, but it is something that they they also but they did say they found that it they didn't return to the original levels fully. So it did have some effect in the sense that it it they might have rebounded down, but not all the way back down to the baseline level of where their depression and anxiety was before, which is huge. They have a new baseline that's above the other baseline. And uh, so there's just two more paragraphs in the article. It just wraps up by saying, speaking about the findings, Dr. Rachel Sumner, University of Gloucestershire, says, we have been able to show that these arts activities are not only supportive of well-being, but they do seem to make real differences in mental health as well. The fact that there seems to be rebound between referral cycles suggests that there might be a need to help participants adjust when they exit these programs to ensure sustainability of their impact. Uh, Professor Diane Crone, who is with Cardiff Metropolitan University, says, This paper provides further compelling evidence of the importance of arts for health for some of our most vulnerable people in society who manage on a day-to-day -day basis complex and enduring, enduring medical needs. Further focus... Uh, further focus does need to consider the ongoing support of these individuals. However, as the rebound finding suggests that the one-off intervention model doesn't suit everyone, this is important. Um, there are implications here from program managers and commissioners of arts for health programs and these findings to date. Uh, yeah, and that is important. There are implications here for pro. Let's see, what does it say? It says, as the rebounding finding suggests that the one-off intervention model doesn't suit everyone. So that is an important point to make. That this isn't a fix-all, this isn't a solve-all, this isn't going to, um, but it's but it's also not necessarily just a band-aid either. It's it's a part of a process, right? Part of a very slow process. But that's the end of the article. Um, and there you have it. It doesn't completely solve the problem, but it has the potential to raise that baseline a little bit, a little bit. Um, I mean, just imagine. I think it's cool to imagine being able to be prescribed art classes i think that's cool uh as part of like health insurance plan or something like that i mean you already are be able to apparently in some places but i think that's that's fascinating and i think that has a lot of potential and it shows a lot of promise especially when regardless of age sex socioeconomic status anything regardless of any of those things there is improvement that's huge that's huge so I think it's really cool, and I think it's cool that this is shown for therapy um, and in those settings, but we have to keep in mind also that this is showing that art can help with anxiety and depression, just period, right? It might, I might even argue that just creating, just like creating as a human, just creating things in general, or at least giving yourself uh, to something and allowing yourself new veins of... Uh, expression and allowing yourself new ways to express yourself uh, would can and does help with anxiety and depression as well I'd argue that I mean I see it in my own life um, and I, I would just say knowing that knowing what we're seeing in this in this research utilize it right if there's a part of you that that has your creative part of you 
uh, give yourself to that every now and then allow yourself to um kind of dip under the surface and 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 really and really take advantage of that if anything just for your mental health and for 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 the, your future because it's i mean it shows right here that it it has some impact and that's the impact is positive um so utilize that um but yeah i think that's where i'm going to wrap up the episode uh if you've been enjoying the uh, this is another of the shorter, kind of shorter format episodes. If, you, if you've been enjoying that at all, um, be sure to let me know. You can go to any of the social media stuff, Instagram, um, Facebook, uh, stuff like that, to, or there's also the Discord server, like I said, on my, at my website. Um, be sure to let me know. I, I appreciate feedback. Um, but if you've enjoyed listening, be sure to follow Bed Letter on whatever platform you that you prefer to listen on. Remember that you can check out my blog and other projects that I'm working on over at cashleman.com. That's C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N.com. And if you're super inclined, um, I would be, you know, and I would be super grateful. Uh, but yeah, if you, I have a Patreon now and, uh, over there, I have details about different services that I offer. Um, in regards to uh, editing, tutoring, and mentoring. Mostly that is in regards to English and writing, but there are some other things as well. Um, and as I said, all of this info and lots more can be found over at my website, cashleman.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you guys have an awesome week, and I will see you next time on Bed Letter. Bed Letter.